Jesus, thank you for the space that we have tonight to declare your name to be holy, and thank you for the space that we have today just to pause and think, what does it mean for us to follow your Spirit? So tonight, we invite, continue to invite, and listen in to all that God's Spirit has for us. Amen. Um, Hey, if you want to grab your Bible, uh, I'm going to be in Ephesians 3 tonight. And uh, just to give you a heads up, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. ESV is how it is on your digital. So if there's a couple words or maybe a little sentence structure, it's a little different. That's probably why you might be on NIV. But um, the idea that we're going to land on tonight is this value that we have being obedient to God's Spirit, to follow God's Spirit. And so we want to look in Scripture and see what does it mean to lean into God's Spirit? And what does it mean to listen to God's Spirit. And I got a couple um, practicals for us as a body, us as individuals. And then um, Tony will come up a little bit later and talk us through our stations that we're going to continue to celebrate God's presence with tonight. Uh, before we get into the text, I got to tell you a story that um, I think will give some connection. I was on a date. Um, and not just like an any date, it was like the date you're gearing up for all week. Because this brunette with green eyes, not like like light green eyes, like the green eyes and the dimly lit light, they, they still sparkle. It was like one of those moments like, yes, I'm going out with her tonight. And there's something about when you're on a date, and those of you um, in the middle school, high school, you'll hit this one day. Like there's moments where you, you're on a date and you, something inside of you says, you have to impress And that's usually the one voice you want to ignore because you're going to look like an idiot. So here's how the date went. I picked her up, we went for dinner, and then we're going to go for a drive and go to a movie. And here's um, what you need to know about me. I grew up in the country. Not like, but um, like my all, like I have teeth. I'm not that redneck, but um, like we grew up where there's wheat fields and horses. And I had a 1979 Chevy Silverado. In fact, I've got a picture of one that's similar to it. Right? That was my very first vehicle. I bought it off a rancher. And um, there's a thing when you grow up in the country, there's dirt roads everywhere. And there's this season called the rain season. And rain and dirt roads equal? No, fun. So we said that we're going to go have some fun. I'm thinking I've got to impress her and I'm going to take a shortcut through a dirt road. I should have paid attention to the road close sign, but that's just like for the amateurs that don't have the 33-inch Mickey Thompson mud hoppers on there. So I'm driving on the dirt road, and I'm about a third of the way into it, and I'm like, I'm rolling, right? Like, I've got my arm on the bench seat, I'm flooring it, I'm trying to snake it left and right, and i got perfect control, because this is not my first rodeo, I've done this before. But then you realize that, wait a minute, I'm not getting the same grip. And I'm sliding a little too much before, and then all of a sudden, whomp. Yeah, I sunk my truck with 33-inch tires up to the running boards. If you don't know what that means, 9 to 14 inches of mud. And I look at her and I go, "Mm, I think we're going to have to walk. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. You know that spot that kind of is like bad queso meets the tilt-a-whirl at the Mexican joint, like right about here? It's that spot in us that is that moment that you should really listen to the imprompting of God's Spirit that says, stop what you're doing. Yeah, I ignore that really well in my life. And I had to go for a walk to find a tow truck for 50 bucks on the spot to tow me out of this and then also try to like salvage some sort of like impressing of the day. 
right. What is that in us that we are trying so hard so many times to do things our way in our rhythm at our timing and it fails? It's called human nature. Broken human nature. So tonight, as we look at God's Spirit, there's a couple things that I want to lean into. And um, the first one is this. We all can agree that internally we have drives, we have desires, we have passions, we have joys, we have fears, we have concerns, we have questions. We have these emotions that well up in us. And some of them are driven from jobs, some of them are driven from money, some of them are driven from desires for family, some are just driven from our own upbringing. They're, they're emotions. And regardless of where these emotions and drives come from, we have to agree that as people that follow Christ, there's only one real posture that we have to take. And it's this. As a follower of Christ, regardless of what we encounter, this is the very, very first spot we have to do. And it's kneeling. It's an act of submission. And this is really uncomfortable for a lot of us. The idea to just knee and bow and go, I'm not God, and I can't play God. And I can't play God because if I do, I'm going to do a horrible job at it because I only have one Savior. His name's Jesus. He's done a really good job. I need to let him have his job. I just need to follow. And following is not easy. So I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to look at what Paul has to say about this idea that following God's Spirit actually gives us freedom. And if you're a student in the room, this may be the very first time you've actually heard a teaching on following God's Spirit. I'm going to ask that you lean in really close. And for some of us, this idea of following God's Spirit sounds like something you talk about in church, but you don't really do. And I'm just going to ask you to maybe shed that idea tonight. Ephesians is a beautiful letter. Paul wrote it probably while he was in jail, while he was in Rome. Um, the Ephesus was actually a modern-day, you could call it a modern-day Bay Area. Um, it was ritzy, it was glamour, it had medical schools, it actually had some of the first homeopathic research places, it actually had high education. Ephesus was beautiful, it's actually a beautiful spot you could still see today. It was a megatropolis of Greek influence and thought, and it had a beautiful, vibrant church there. And Paul is writing to the church to remind them that everything you see around you, that everything you see between money, between fame, between finances, between the privileges, is not all it's cracked up to be. There's a submission to God's Spirit. So we're going to jump into Ephesians 3, verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I do what? I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That's not a literal thought from Paul. That's a reference to those that claim the name of Christ. That if you claim the name of Christ, we're all one big family. It's actually a root in Hebrew thought of the father of Abraham being the father of the Jewish community, which is also the root of the lineage of Christ. It's this idea that when you claim the name of Christ, you're a part of a family. And the beauty is we as a church, we're a church family. We're all the body that wraps itself around this resurrected Christ and say, no, we are aligning on the resurrection of Christ and who he is in our lives. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. That's an active verb. It means that you are lacking something and there's this ongoing strengthening in you that must happen. The strengthening is not actually on your own. When we think of strengthening, often we think go to the gym. Many of us go to the community center there at campus. 
It's not the thought that you go do something and there's this strength that you get from it. No, this needs an external entity to strengthen you. According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened. You need an outside spot. You need this outside aspect for your life to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. That term inner, it's iso. The depth of man. That guttural part of you that when you are leaning into all that Jesus has, and you hear God prompt you, you hear God's voice say, go do it. You hear God's voice say, stop. You hear God's voice say, ah, you may want to pause on that. This is what Paul's getting at. You need this Spirit. This is actually part of the triuneness of God, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all exist interrelationally. And this Spirit is what's going to lead you and guide you in your inner being. That inner part of you that we so often shut off in, honestly, the Western part of the world, because things are really easy. And we're going to dig at that here in a second. But what does it look like just to pause in a moment and go, God, speak to me, and we actually listen? What does it look like to actually pause and just go, God, I want you to speak to my inner being, the part of me that drives every aspect of me. I want to pause me, and I want to listen to you. Go back to the text. That he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Talked about that this morning. To give generously, it's got to be rooted in love. Well, also, part of us being obedient to God's spirit is that we're rooted in faith in Christ and we're grounded in his love. 18. May have strength. This is actually the strength you're thinking of. If I do this exercise, I will get stronger. Listening to God's Spirit is an active exercise. Listening to God's Spirit and leaning into and being responding to God's Spirit allows us to know His voice and to exercise what He calls us to. You need God's Spirit externally to strengthen you, and then you actually, as you hear God's voice, you need to respond. And when we're obedient, when we listen, when we lean in, and when we respond, that's when that voice strengthens. That we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ so that there is breadth and length and height and depth. There's nowhere you go, there's nothing you face, there's no challenge that you're in, there is no concern that you're facing, there is no disease too strong, there is no pain so severe that the love of Christ will meet you where you're at. It does not say it gets easy, it just means that it will meet you where you're at. And to know that surpasses knowledge. I think one of the tension points of being obedient to God's Spirit is um, we, as people, find ourselves in spots where we go, what does this really look like? What does it really look like to obey God's Spirit? So track with me over here to my buckets. 
it does the body good, right? For all you lactose intolerant, sorry, I don't have soy. What does it look like? Move this so that side of the room can see it. What does it look like to be strengthened from the outside with something? Middle schoolers, what am I making? Goodness is what I'm making right here. All the parents are like, you're making a mess. I know, God's spirit makes messes. <laughs> An external entity changing the internal. Now, for all you chemists in the room, yes, you could extract it and get back down to the screw root everything. However, <laughs> this is not changing now. This has been altered. See, when God's Spirit interacts with us, we become changed. When we say yes to Jesus, we give up our agenda and our life, and we say, God, you are God, I am not. You're resurrected Christ, defeated death, defeated sin, and I'm with you till the end. And because I'm with you to the end, my inner being and everything about me, I want strengthened by your spirit. So whatever I face, whatever family challenges, whatever I come across, I don't care how painful, how hard, how challenging, because I know I have you. And when I have you, I don't care what this world offers. I know what the world is to come, and that's you winning, because your kingdom, which has no end, is the power I reside in here and now. So bring it. And when we face life that way, here's what we face. We don't face it us out front. We actually face it following Christ, where he leads. And we need his spirit to guide us because we jack it up. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. Time and time and time again, it's his people trying to do it their way. And time and time again, he goes, no, 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 I'm going to interject a prophet. I'm going to interject someone else. I'm going to interject a judge. I'm going to interject someone to get you back on track. One of the trippiest verses is actually in John 14, where he says to his disciples, hey, by the way, it's better that I leave you. Time out. I can't imagine the disciples going, whoa, 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 whoa. I've seen you raise Lazarus from the dead, water into wine, feed the 5,000, walk on water. By the way, I've seen you dismiss me to be able to go lead others. And you're saying it's better that you leave me than stay with me? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, because here's why. The counselor the Holy Spirit is going to come who the Father sends in my name and he is going to teach you what you do not know and remind you of all things I've said to you. John 14, 26. See, when we reside with God's Spirit, we are never, ever alone. And for those of you that are new in your faith, you know exactly what I'm talking about because there's a resurgence of God's Spirit that goes, I got you. And you feel like this. This is good. But for some of you, and Nick, can you give me house lights so this is clear? Like full on? See the color contrast? Now what you don't know, this is already chocolate milk, but it's settled. And it just needs to be reminded. And I think this is the church in a lot of places. See, the reason we gather weekly the reason we engage in prayer, the reason we engage reading scripture, the reason we do student ministry, the reason we do kids ministry 
is because we need stirring. We need to create places where we go, God, we invite you to stir. We invite you to make a mess. We invite you to do what you want with us because we're your people. And as middle school illustration that is, some of you are going, oh, I get it. However, when I make fix it, finance it, or fight it, how I live, guess who plays God? It's not rhetorical. When I play fix it, fight it, or finance it, who plays God? I do. Yeah. The love I have for the book of, or the letter to the Ephesians is the love I have for living in California. There's so many things at our fingertips. There's so many things that are so easy, accessible to us because of the wealth of where we live, the technology where we live, the ease of where we live, that we sometimes forget that we are not in charge. And it's the reason we have to come back to texts like this that go, hey, wait a minute, the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, that surpasses any other knowledge I have. That's countercultural. And when it's countercultural, it's really challenging to live that out, and that's why we need one another. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this new series, Questions Jesus Asked. What was the very first question we let in with? Who do you say I am? That's a daily question for us as followers of Christ. Who is Jesus today? Is he my Lord and Savior, or is he just a moral teacher? Because if he's my Lord and Savior, then, his, then this life is his today. Just as it was yesterday, just as it will be tomorrow. What does it look like in our families that we wouldn't make erroneous decisions based on what we think is best, but what, on what God would say is best? I want to talk a little bit, some in specific categories, and then I want to talk to us a bit as a church before we lead in to these elements. First one would be this. Uh, middle school, high school students. Look familiar? Yeah, what are you listening to? No, no, no. No, no, no. What are you really listening to? What is it that you lean in so much, so willingly, day in, day out, that you're going, hey, this is what I want to affect how I think and how I live and how I pray and how I act. If it's God's spirit, I'm going to give you a high five. If it's not, I have two thoughts. One, you're not seeing it at home. Two, you care more about what others say about you than what Jesus says about you. And here's what Jesus says to you. You are mine. I was willing to pay the price for you on the cross, but more than that, I was able to live in such a way that I want you to experience such a relationship and transforming relationship that I want your life where you're at on your high school campus, on your middle school campus, in your clubs, in your sports teams. I actually want you to live in such a countercultural way that you know it at middle school and high school. So when you hit young adult and adulthood, it is a given. And you know my voice in such a way that we have this unique intimacy that when I say yes, you respond with okay. And when I say no, you respond with an okay. And the tension that you guys, middle school, high school, and college age students you live with is there's all these other pressures and there's all these other voices and some of them come from your very own home that you don't know how to mess with and that just messes with you. So here's how you start. Pray and listen. Pray and listen. And some of you are sitting there going, I do that and I'm not hearing anything. That's okay. 
Developing that internal muscle to listen takes time. And if it's not a regular habit, it will be. And Katie and I are going to talk to you guys more in the coming weeks about what that looks like just to listen and lean into God's voice. For those of you that are college, young adult, um, here's a tension you've had for so long. Hey, what are you going to do when you grow up? Hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? What's going on? You now have graduated college. You got a job yet? What are you going to do? You get married? When am I going to have grandkids? Like you've had that, right? Let me give you some freedom. I don't think Jesus cares how you pay the bills. I really don't. But I think he does care what you're doing with your life. Go be a librarian. Shove trash down a sewer. Fold laundry the rest of your life. Who cares? It's not an identity piece. Yeah, it may be challenged to live in the Bay Area. But the Bay Area is not all that there is. Do we want to lose you? Heck no. We want you here. We want you planting other sites. We actually want you a, a deepening part of PCC. But what does it look like to say, Jesus, what's my trajectory with you? What is it you're calling me to? How can I live my life in such a way that daily, regardless of how I collect a paycheck, that's fine, I'm actually influencing and shaping a culture because I believe in the resurrection of the Christ. And the next time someone says, hey, what are you doing with your life? Respond this way. Hey, Jesus and I are talking about that. I'll let you know when I know. And when a parent pushes you or a grandparent or someone extends, just go, hey, what are you doing with your life with Jesus? And if it becomes shrapnel, come to our house for Thanksgiving. We'll host you. will be fine, okay? <laughs> Husbands and wives, do you pray for each other? Not occasionally. Do you pray for each other? Do you ask each other, hey, what is Jesus teaching you? And do you give space to, ch- to talk? I used to be astonished at the amount of couples that said, no, we don't pray for each other. But it's been such a normal response now that I'm no longer shocked by it. As a pastor, I should be. But I'm just not. If you're like me and you're driven and time's of the essence and you're a, to- a to-doer, here, put it on your phone, put it on a calendar, make it a notification if you have to. But create space just to go, hey, what is Jesus teaching you? And I'd love to hear around a table in a car to go, hey, so um, let's actually read this thing called the Bible and let's pray together and let's listen to Jesus. Parents, you want your kids to own their faith? It really is, but you, you need to be able to go, hey, we're going to model this together. What does it look like as a church? Here's a couple thoughts. If we're a people of God, living by God's Spirit, then we're following God's Spirit for conviction of alignment for people and purpose. If we're a people of God's Spirit, then we're following God's Spirit to be a people of conviction and purpose. I can tell you as a pastor, and I'm the new guy, so I'm really getting all the insight here. The leadership at PCC deeply cares about the city. Deeply cares about lost people coming to know him deeply cares about making an impact. And we deeply care about the people who say yes to Jesus already to stand with us and go with us. 
What does it look like to say, hey, we want to be a people of God that listen to God's Spirit and follow and obey? And one of the things, and part of it is just the reality of my role. There are countless opportunities when it comes to families. There are countless opportunities. If you're over the age of 40, you should notice something. We don't have a whole lot of young people in the life rhythm of PCC. I think there's two reasons why. I think there's a lot of generation that have grown up trying to figure out where's a safe place for me to actually doubt openly and question critically and be loved in the moments. And as a youth pastor, I will tell you this. When men and women link arms and hands for birth through high school and go, no, 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 we have you. Where you're at, not as you should be, but as you are, and we want to walk with you, and we want to process with you, and we want to share life with you, and we want to follow this biblical model of mentorship and discipleship, there's a resurgent and there's a cool spirit of God that is released in that. When we say yes to all that God's Spirit has through Scripture, we can have a conversation over coffee about this one time. The amount of times that God uses the next generation is impeccable. And it's actually overwhelming all through Scripture. What does that look like to be a people that looks at its city and go, God, we want to follow your Spirit wherever you lead? When it comes to us as a body, being able to say yes to Jesus, we need moments to process. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Tony's going to come up and he's going to walk you through some stations of how we're just going to give ourselves space to process at the core of going, Jesus, respond. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.